listening to the Love Always Faithful podcast. We are back with another episode and another great conversation. And uh, this is a great conversation. I'm so excited to to uh, to just uh, unwrap this this conversation with you all. Uh, we are going to be speaking with someone that I met um, not too long ago. I think about a year or two ago uh, when I was visiting Chicago again. Um, and his name is John Marco. So John Marco is here with us. John Marco, say hello. Tell, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is John Marco. I am a born again Christian. And, uh, you know, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the, I believe in the um, resurrection of Jesus. And I believe that I'm saved by the blood of Christ. Uh, and I'm just an average guy like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So, John Marco, what if, you know, you truly are an average guy. I'm, I'm an average guy as well. And so, you know, what do, what do you do for a living? Uh, that's actually interesting. I work with, I, I work as a software engineer. And I work on credit cards and machines that process them or point of sale. So software that can process uh, credit cards or machines that process credit cards. So it's a long stack, but basically software that works with credit cards. So all POS stuff, basically. Yeah, POS. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. And you married, you got kids. Yeah, I have a wife and uh, an awesome son. Uh, he's seven years old, his, or sorry, seven months old, and his name's Gabriel. And uh, I have my wife, Samantha, that I met um, like two years ago, right before COVID started, or when COVID started, I guess. So, so. this is, uh, if, if you've been a listener of our podcast for a while, this isn't John Markle's first time on. This is actually the second time, because the first time he was on, um, it was what we, uh, we had interviewed him and his wife. Um, a lot of people know her by Mitha, and we uh, we were actually you know, visiting Chicago, and we did a podcast with them. And uh, if you want to hear more about their story and how they came together, uh, you can listen back to that. That was in season one, um, but it was an amazing story about how they came together during the pandemic and during COVID, and and now they're married. Um, they have a beautiful son. Um, he's how many months? Seven months, is it? Seven months. Yeah, yeah. Seven months. So um, God has been doing some awesome things in their lives. Um, and while we were meeting, uh, when we got to know John Marco, when we were there in Chicago, um, we got to hear this interesting story about how John Marco, how you came to, to know Christ. And um, I was so fascinated by it. I was like, this is going to be a future episode. So we, we finally got around. Um, we were supposed to do this, what, two or three weeks ago. Our schedules are finally kind of aligned so we can get this, uh, this conversation. And so John Marco uh, had you know, told me that he was actually an atheist. And so, John Mark, I wanted to start the conversation there. First of all, let's say, how, how old are you now? I'm 31. 31, all right. So, sometimes I'm at the point where I have to ask uh, my wife, I'm like, am I turning 37 this year, 36? What, what's uh, happening this year? Um, but it, it's, it's crazy how that happens the older you get. I just think that there's so many other things that are happening in your life um, you can't remember even your age, your, your, your brain power is going to all these other things, but, um, but, um, so John Mark, I want to ask you, um, why were you, why were you atheist? How does one become an atheist? Like when did you, when was the moment that you woke up and said, I'm an atheist? Uh, I think it was continual. So I remember going to Catholic school 
as a younger boy and I was maybe in first grade and I found out Santa Claus wasn't real. And I was like, Oh, well, Jesus probably isn't real either. And, uh, I just felt like a lot of the stuff I was taught just couldn't have been true or, you know, I just didn't believe a lot of it. And I, I really disliked church. I thought it was boring. Now, uh, mind you, this is like, you know, nine years old or however you are, however old you are in first grade. Um, and that just kind of is where this, that kind of started, like that seed was planted and it just kind of progressed on and on. Uh, I want to say by junior high, I would like not believe in God, but ask him for help. And I feel like I never really got help and I would just get angry at him and hate him. And it doesn't really make sense when I say it now, but at the time, I guess it did as a kid, you know, I was like, God can't be real because he doesn't answer my prayers. And then I wouldn't believe in God, but I'd still pray to him. Uh, it, it just, I was in a really bad place in my relationship with Jesus. I, uh, had a lot of trouble growing up. Um, I I believe in grade school was the first time I got a suspension. I, um, we were making crosses out of like, like clothespins that you hang on those lines and we're gluing them to paper. And this was like in like third or fourth grade or something. And I made a dagger out of mine and I was like pretending to stab all the other students. And my teacher's like, you never, ever use Jesus as a weapon ever. And, uh, you know, she threw me out in the hall and then I had like a week long suspension. And this was at a Catholic school. So, you know, they really didn't like that at all. And it, it was just like one thing after another. Like one time I told my teacher to go spy on Hitler. Like I just had no respect for authority, just zero respect. And it wasn't just my teacher's. It was my poor parents too. Just no respect for them either. And so you were um, a wild child. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, it's not even a joke. I remember when I was like 10, me and a friend of mine went into the garage and we found random cans of chemicals that my dad was using and we poured it on the ground lit it on fire and rode our skate rode my skateboard through it and the wheels caught on fire we're like oh yeah that's so cool i mean one time we found bullets and we were hitting it with a hammer at that age like we just what? oh yeah we were nuts i i don't know how i survived honestly um but yeah it was we were not we we were not good kids i i wasn't i wasn't and i was typically the one to start that i feel like to instigate it and uh, that pattern continued on for a while. Um, so I, I could keep going, but junior high was rough. Like uh, there was a point. So I left that the Catholic schools went to public school and it was kind of that, that was that was in middle school when you when you went to public school. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. I, I forgot to mention that that was in middle school. And uh, that was that was rough. I mean, like. The school I went to, for some reason, there was a ton of fights. So I, I would get beat up. Everybody would get beat up. You know, you always get into a fight. And, uh, you know, my dad just didn't know what to do. And he would get really upset. And, well, things at home weren't good either. And, uh, you know, I, I'm like, I guess I really don't have to get into too much detail. And just say it was it was bad all around. 
Gotcha. Um, you know, I, I had to go to like a, um, a psychiatrist, I believe. Is it a psychologist? The ones that can prescribe medicine? That's a psychiatrist. Okay. I believe yeah, so. I yeah. to, we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, I had to go to one for like depression pills at that age. And uh, uh, how, how old were you then? Like what, 14 or no, this middle school. So like what, maybe 12? 12, maybe 12. You know, I, so much stuff happened. I guess I don't really think about it much. Uh, I also don't think about it much. So I, I kind of forget how old I was, but yeah. So must've been, I think I was 12 because it was sixth grade. But so like along the way though, like I know you had mentioned early on that you would, you know, you didn't believe in God anymore. Right. But you were mm-hmm. still praying to him. Right. You would still like, you know, you didn't believe but like every now and then you're like, Hey, maybe, maybe you're true. Maybe yeah. you'll answer this prayer. Right. Well, how, yeah. how long were you doing that till like, or did you ever get to a point where you just stopped? Like, you're like, I'm not even going to no, pray I, to you anymore. I always did it. I was okay. the whole time I did that. I never stopped. And, um, that's actually a really funny thing. You brought that up. I never thought about that, but I never stopped. I, at, the, at least up to this point, I never, I, I always did that. I would always get really upset at God. And I'd be like, I'd be like, you can't be real. Cause this was mistranslated or, you know, um, it's impossible to split the sea or whatever. And, you know, this was my young mind. Um, so yeah, it was rough. Like I, you know, I, I remember I had to get admitted to the hospital for depression at that age. And it just, just, it just like seemed to never end. My grades were bad. Um, you know, every year it felt like they were going to hold me back. They never did. Uh, thankfully, and um, I had some friends who had it worse. They, there's like a special school you go to if you're too bad for regular school. And they always always tell me like, hey, man, you're not that bad. So in my mind, I felt like I really wasn't that bad of a kid, though. Looking back, I feel like I I, I was. I feel like I, I could have done a lot of things differently. I could have really had a different attitude. But so anyways, so junior high just wasn't great. And um I remember one weekend, I don't know why, but my parents kind of gave up on disciplining me and just took me out to the movies. And I just didn't misbehave that week. And then that pattern continued. And um, I'd say by like eighth grade, uh, I was kind of getting normal again. Like I was having normal grades. I was happy again. Um, I was starting to make friends. Uh, people were inviting me over, like other parents, like weren't like concerned about me coming over. Uh, in fact, some adults were starting to trust me with like chores, um, things like that. And things were looking really good. I even got invited to youth group with some friends and there, um, I kind of got exposed to a more calm sort of, uh, environment with God, with you know, in those days, like with the Jesus, as I would see it. And but, but you were still, even though you were being invited to like these youth groups and stuff, were you still like, I'll go, whatever. It's so, yeah, so I'll go. I, I, I'll I don't go. believe in God. Yeah. I was just like, you're my friend. I'll go. Or like, this seems really fun. Or, you know, maybe there'll be girls there or something like that. <laughs> so that's a lot um, of reasons why, why young, why young guys <laughs> go to church. It's like, 
Maybe there's some, gotta, maybe there's girls there. <laughs> I gotta say, like youth group is so awesome. Uh, oh, I yeah. I remember I went. I had such a good time, and uh, like just a shout out to everybody working with kids. Um, that's part of the reason why I married my wife. I'm so impressed by people who do that because you have no idea what some kids are going through. Mm-hmm. Some kids probably like me had it all and just were so unhappy. Um, there, I mean, there's not an excuse for it, but they're still unhappy. They're still suffering. And, uh, I really looked forward to youth group when I did go, um, which was, it was like maybe two, three times a year. It wasn't often, but I, I, I would go. Um, so then high school rolls around and, uh, I had a lot of close people in my life that were bad influences. Um, and so, you know, started, started doing drugs. Um, and when that start, like early freshman year or, or it took a little I bit into your like high school? I think it was middle of freshman year. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't even like I was pressured. I was just like, well, that looks fun. I just thought it, I just thought it would be fun. Next thing I know, I'm just like going to parties all the time and, uh, you know, doing lighter drugs. And then someone would be like, oh, do you want to try this drug? And I'd be like, hmm, okay. Then I try the next level drugs. I mean, and it just kind of went on and on and on. It just kept, I kept doing more and more intense things. Like, you know, one weekend it was smoking a cigarette and like just a year later, it's like taking pills and breaking them up. And, uh, you know, just, it just really escalated quick within like a year. And, uh, Honestly, I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. And you can imagine what happened. Uh, I thought I was having fun. I was living the life, but the outside of my life, like outside of what I saw, it, it was the same things. My grades were slipping. You know, my parents were, were trying. They tried so hard. They, they really did. I, I don't. I mean, they definitely weren't perfect, but they tried so hard. And uh, I just, I mean, some people just want to be bad. I, I I don't, I hate to say that, but not every kid is going to or wants to do well. And I definitely didn't. I think part of the reason is I didn't believe in myself. I didn't think I could ever achieve anything. I just didn't believe it. I was always not great at anything. I was always like just the jack of all trades. I could never like, you know, I wrestled, I could never win state. I participated in art. I could never get like an A plus. I can never do perfect in that class. I just could never do what I wanted to do. And uh, I want to say by junior year was when I started to really go downhill. Um, that was the first time I think that was the first time I got arrested and put in jail, which it wasn't, I'm sorry, it wasn't jail. It was like a holding cell. That was the first time I saw the inside of a cell and the cops, a cop, a state trooper came and got me and he's just like shaking his head the whole time. And he didn't really say much to me. And then he called my dad and then my dad came and picked me up. I think it was around Thanksgiving, my junior year. And so for what, for, for what reason did you get put into that holding cell? I had an ounce of weed. So I know these days weed isn't a big deal, but in those yeah. days it was yeah. a felony. Like <laughs> yes, you got, yes. 
big it's, trouble. It's, for especially having like in, in Chicago and the suburbs yeah. of Chicago and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have like this much. I had an ounce, which is back in those days that that was a, I, I can't remember how much it was, but it must've been like $200 or a hundred dollars yeah. or something. It was, was not cheap. Yeah. That was, and, that um, was, a, that was a big deal. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're there, you're in this jail. So, so you're in a place, right. Where you don't believe in God. Right. You're also in a place where you don't believe in yourself. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're in this place. And I think, you know, I think that I, I really think that a lot of the things that you were dealing with and going through is, is a lot of things that a lot of teenagers deal with. Right. There's this sense of like, who am I? Right. It's like finding your identity. Right. And, and, and so you try a bunch of different things. Like I remember when I was, uh, when I was young, man, I, I had my hip hop phase. I have my, my punk, <laughs> my punk rock phase. I had my alternative phase, you know, I'm listening to, to Google dolls and, and like, you know, like I, I had every, I had my underground hip hop phase where I didn't listen to the, no, it was like, you, I would, I would be very snobby about it. Like, Oh, you listen to Jay-Z. I, I listen to, I listen to like guys that are not even on the radio. Like you don't even know these guys that I listen to. So like, like you, you know, don't I, know who Nirvana is, do you? Yeah. <laughs> you don't like, even know Nirvana. So it was just like, it was just like, I was just trying everything just to kind of find out exactly, you know, who I am. So I think that you're in that place, right? You don't believe in God. You don't even believe in yourself and you're just trying to discover who you are. So it's kind of like, you're just open to anything really. Right. And so you're, so you end up in the jail cell, right? Or the holding cell. Yeah. So I was only, that time I was only there for a night. So I, I was drunk too. So I had a DUI and an ounce of weed. So it was not good. It was was not good. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, that was bad. And uh, so everyone was pretty lenient with me. Like they gave me probation and uh, I can't believe an adult did this, but an adult told me, Hey, do whatever you want before 18. You can't get your record a wipe. So that's what I did. Wow. And uh, you know, I, I had no idea. Like I didn't even know really what a record was. I, for all I knew it was a piece of paper and a file cabinet and they tore it when you turn 18. I, I, I didn't mean, know. You're still a child. So like, why, what, yeah, I had no idea. Know? With yeah. some some adult, I won't say his name, but someone told me that, and that that was really bad. Shame on them. They shouldn't have said that. Uh, I'll never say that to a kid. I mean, just that's terrible. But yeah, so he told me that. So I was like, oh, you know, the wheels were turning in my yeah. head. I was like, I can do whatever I want, except like murder somebody, you know. Yeah. But I can do whatever I want, and um, that's what I did. I mean, I would. There was like, I don't know how this is even a thing but apparently there's clubs for 16 year olds and i would go to them yeah i, I remember you know? that yeah and i would you know i would take uh you know pills i mean you everybody knows what i would be taking and um i had a blast i mean i loved it play games high do that high i do a lot of stuff high and but we're still progressing like we're still getting worse and worse and worse and it's just one thing after another but what was, um, what for you, what was that entry drug? Like, what was the drug that, like, got you in? And then now, you know, like, a lot of people call it a gateway. You know, what, I, I, I hear a lot of people say marijuana is kind of like a gateway drug. But what, what was it for you? Probably weed. Yeah. Marijuana. Yeah. yeah, that's common. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't actually think it's too bad. But I do think that it's like the crowd. It's like the people. It's like the, there's just not a in those days when it was illegal, there just wasn't a good crowd around it. Um, it's, it's not like, it's not like, um, 
it's not like a, I'm trying to think of what's it. I forget what they classify heroin as or like codeine or it's not like some of those drugs where like you get like sick when you quit, you know, or you go a little crazy. Oh, you have, you have withdrawals and things like that. Oh yeah. Withdrawals. Yeah. That's the word for it. But it's not like that. Like, it's not like, um, you take it and you're like wishing, Oh my God, I wish I wasn't high on this. I just want to come down. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's kind of a different world in my opinion, but it's definitely introduces you to how it starts and you learn like how, like the rituals behind it, you know, you, you find the group of people, you all do it together. That's my cat. But, um, (laughs) but anyways, uh, so it led it led to you now you're in a place where now you you're you're progressing now I'm you're doing just, the pills it just keeps going up and uh this was like junior year and for some reason after this all happened I kind of just wanted to stop like I stopped hanging out with all my friends I stopped doing all drugs for a couple months and I tried to get into boarding school cuz I just I just wanted to get away from it it was like it was like um it was like uh when I was clear headed and sober, I knew that it was bad for me, but when I was doing, and I was doing it every day. And when it was, I, uh, I never wanted to quit. So when I got that break, I, cause I started to break after, um, I went to jail for a few months. It was only a few months. I asked my dad to send me to boarding school and he wasn't able to get me in. And I was like, man, I think I got to get out of here. And someone asked me if I wanted to hang out, smoke a little weed, you know, drank a little. Next thing you know, I'm progressing again. And it, this time it was really fast. In fact, this time it got so fast, I didn't have enough money to do it. So naturally, I started selling drugs. And um, I would buy enough to go to a party, sell it all, and do some myself. And then, you know... Uh, and then pay for myself and sell it to other people. And it was not good. I'm, I'm honestly not super proud of that time in my life, but you know, uh, it wasn't great. Um, I guess word got around town that I was doing that. And, um, there was a point where, um, I, um, bought like 30 hits of acid off a guy and someone wanted to buy like a lot of it or I don't know how many it was but it was a a large chunk and I didn't know who they were but I know I knew the person who wanted me to get it and I won't name names or give away any details but uh I know who it was I know who everyone was but I you know it's I'll get into that later but yeah. Real quick, uh, you know, I'm a follower in Christ. I, I don't like I don't uh, vengeance isn't isn't mine. Yeah. But, um, so I guess word got around and an undercover cop was that guy that wanted to buy it from me. And he I was, sold it. He to was him. the buyer. He was the buyer. And I sold it to him. And I was 17. And I was still in school. And uh, I got set up. And um like after the deal was done, I turned my car on and cop cars came from everywhere. And I mean, I, I feel like I was still a kid at this point. Like I, I couldn't believe this. Yeah. Guys came at us with guns, dogs. I mean, 
like ready to shoot us, you know? And it's like, it's like something out of a movie, right? I felt like it was. Um, I am not going to pretend like I remember it perfectly, but I'd say there was at least two or three cop cars and at least six cops. I'm sure there's paperwork somewhere. Someone could read about it and figure it out. But uh, yeah, the cops didn't play. You know, they had their guns raised and they uh, came at me. And uh, I I guess I don't want to get into too many details because I don't no, know about fine. other people that were involved and, but after this, I can give all the details you want. <laughs> but then I um, then I went to jail. And now I can start giving out more details. Yeah. And uh, so, 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 what are, so what are you thinking? Like you, 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 you get you, like, whoop, 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 they all come up on you. And now now you're I'm sure at the back in the back of a, of a cop car and you're and you're headed to to jail like. What are some of your immediate thoughts if you even remember what you were thinking at the time? Well, I was high on acid. Okay. So, so I was incredibly calm, but uh, I remember I was thinking, I, I can't make this up. At the time, I was thinking, cool, I'm going to get more connections in jail and prison. Wow. That was my thought process. Wow. Because, I mean, Cops, at that point... You're so far in, right? You're 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 so far in, and, and you're under you're under the the you know the influence. So that's also playing with your mind uh, as far as your mindset. Look, I'm not against TV, and I'm not against like movies and stuff, as long as you can separate reality from what's not real. And I I clearly couldn't, and I just like always watch Scarface or whatever drug movie, um, and I was just thought I was like a gangster or something you know i didn't have any tattoos or a gun but you know it's like when you're a kid you, you know i guess maybe some 17 year olds are more were more developed or smarter than me i think most were but uh <laughs> at that time i that's just i mean i'm just telling you the truth man that's what i yeah. thought yeah and so so at, at what point like everything's gonna happen right there's gonna be you know they're gonna bring you in and and things are going to escalate from there once once they start you know pointing the evidence towards you and stuff like that. So at what point does it kind of sink in? Like, hold up, this is this is not like the movies. This is like it's about to get real here. That's an interesting question. I'm glad you asked that because a lot of people don't know to ask that question because that happens to a lot of kids when they get arrested. If they get due, it, it doesn't sink in till a certain moment. Uh, for me. It was when I got there, I got my phone call and I called my parents and my mom was crying and uh, I can't remember what she said. I think she just told me that she loved me, something like that. And I hadn't really heard my mom cry like that. Like it was sobbing. And uh, I think that was it when I was like, well, I'm on my own. <laughs> so that then I started to break down a little bit, start crying, stuff like that. But, you know, it, people might laugh, but the, the guys in jail were actually really nice to me. Like a lot of them were like, they kept calling me shorty or shorty. like, 
or something or stuff like that. Or I like, mean, I've, I've, I, when I met you, you weren't that short. So I don't know where that came from. Uh, I think I was this tall, but I think it was like 140. Okay. So I think they all knew that I was young and they gotcha. just kept, they were kind of, I don't know. I thought short is just kind of like what you call like a, like a young guy. Yeah. Like a young guy. Yeah. 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 That's, and I didn't know that. You know, I didn't grow up in the hood, Yeah, <laughs> but, um, a lot of them were pretty nice to me. Like, you know, of course there were some, uh, jerks. Yeah. So, um, but a lot of them had kids. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them are, Oh boy, I'm going to say it. Good guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, a, lot, a, a lot of those guys too, like they're, you know, they're just, they're not horrible people. They just no, make, they make not. a bad decision and they get caught on it. You know, they get, they get caught in that bad decision or they, or it's, or they've made, you know, um, uh, or they've become, you know, they, they, they've come into their life where they make a pattern of bad decisions and it, and it, get, it catches up to them. But like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, I, I've heard the same thing from other people that that have been in jail and stuff like that, where they're like, you know, and some people, you know, that they're there too, they get set up, you know, then it's, it's, it wasn't even, you know, that it was that one moment of desperation that, that put them in the, in the place that they, that they end up in. Right. They right. still did the crime, but it was like a moment of desperation. Like I need this for this or whatever the case may be. But, right. So I, I, I had do have one uh, important thing I got to say. Yeah, go ahead. Um, when I was getting booked. So I'll just explain it for people. So like, you know, when you go to the airport and there's just all these security guards and all these rooms you can't go into and things like that. It's kind of like that, but in a much cheaper building that's (laughs) going to have a lot more metal bars in it. But it's pretty similar. You know, I mean, they they like also are way more intense, but um, they ask you a series of questions. And one of them. uh, Well, let me backtrack. The guy ahead of me in line to get booked, he like kind of turned his head like this and he's like, hey, say you're suicidal, they'll treat you better. So I went in and I, I, that's what I told them. They're like, are you suicidal? I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, cause I had, I had had that phone call. I knew I was on my own. So I was looking out for myself and I wanted to just get through it. Um, so that's what I told them. So, you know, they did the usual, they, um, they, well, they, you know, they strip you down, take your clothes give you a new set of clothes. That's what they did for everybody else. For me, they gave me a smock. And if you don't know what a smock is, it's basically a padded blanket that looks like a, a kilt. And it's just one blanket, if you can imagine it, that's like four by four. And there's little armholes. You stick your arms in it and then you t- tuck the Velcro like that. And that's all you got. No underwear, nothing. Well, so, that's- so that's what I, that's what I ended up in. And, uh, yeah, I just I just want to clarify that detail because it's it's kind of important uh, going forward because that's like, you know, that's how I got in. Like that's how I went in. That was like my first impression. Um. So I go to my cell, and I think the first guy that was in there was not a good guy at all but he was 
he did like go to church and he actually talked to me about it a little bit and I just wrote him off and didn't really listen. And, um, he was gone within a few hours, I think. And then, um, I was in the cell by myself for a few days, like two, like two days. And then I learned that you're allowed to have one book, like a religious book. And I was like, oh my God, I'll take a Bible. I'll take anything. Because I was in this cell that was like maybe eight feet by like seven feet, I would say, or maybe like 10 feet by eight feet. I I don't know the exact dimensions. It wasn't big. No, yeah. I mean, mean, you're, you're six foot, what, two, six foot three? Six foot two or six foot one somewhere in there. So like, yeah, you lay down, you only have what eight inches or so. Yeah, was, uh, no, you, you sleep in like the fetal position is pretty small. And um, you don't sleep on like a bed. You, it's just this metal sheet bolted into the wall with a mat that's about this thick. Oh. And, uh, you know, I, all I had was my smock, no blanket, no nothing. And um, so I, I, was bored. So I got a Bible and originally I was, uh, maybe some people will laugh at this, but I was playing with it. You know, I like made origami, like made like a little soccer ball out of the paper and I was kicking it around and stuffed the vent with paper to help warm up the cell. Cause there was a vent, they keep it super cold. It's some strategy they have. It's like people smell bad cause they don't shower. I, I, don't, I can only imagine why they do it, but so I stuffed the paper in the vent. I just, I, I just got so bored. I read it. I just couldn't take it anymore. So after, I, after, after playing soccer with it, after yeah, the origami, that, yeah. you finally I just, said, I guess I might as well read this. Thing. I just, I just couldn't take it. I was so bored. I read it from front to back. And I want to say by the time I got to the new Testament, I was on my knees crying and I gave myself to God. And I said, I said that Jesus, I I believe in you and I am sorry. And a voice came in my head and it just said, think of all the people you hurt and everything you did. And I thought of at the time, my younger sister who was like, she must've been like five or four. I mean, it just, and we're, I feel like we're pretty close. And that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty stupid. Everything I did. That's when it started to hit me. Like, that's when I started to realize like what I did. And I started to appreciate the police officers, you know, like you'll notice that at this point, my mindset starts changing about the police officers. Like at this point, I start to realize like everything they're going through. I start to realize like the inmates are, they're just people, man. I start to realize like my parents, you know, I might not have seen them like feeding me and providing me with a house and stuff, but they did it. And, um, it took a few weeks for all this to really sink in, but, and I was reading, it took me like a few days to read the whole Bible from front to back. So chronologically I started Somewhere in the Bible, I, I think it was when the New Testament was around was when I just got on my knees because I didn't know how to, I didn't know what being saved was. I didn't even know there was a thing. I had no idea. I was raised Catholic, nothing against Catholics, great people, but I had no idea what any of that, I didn't know. I had no idea. 
by the time I got to the New Testament, it really clicked with me. In fact, I was amazed afterwards, after I got out of jail, after all that, and how similar my beliefs are to most Christians today. I couldn't believe it just from reading the Bible. I, I didn't even know a lot of the stuff that they had said. But let me get back to the story. So I, um, you know, it's, it's like a few days after I get saved, weeks go by, and I start to respect the police officers. I know what I did was wrong. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not in a place where you can, where, <laughs> where like you can, uh, you know, cry on like your family's shoulder. Like I'm not in a place where you can be soft per se. Like no, you, yeah, you, you have to keep a, a, a tough oh, exterior. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had long hair. I cut it like the first day I was there, which isn't really related to me being a Christian, but I, I did get like have a tough exterior when I was in there and I tried my best to not put up with crap and be a Christian. And it was really hard. Like there were times, like one time I broke down in front of all the guys and then, you know, someone was just kind of telling me, damn dude, I wish you hadn't done that. You know, just, it was, you just, you can't for a second be look weak. And, um, I was 17 this whole time. I was 17. One of the cops found out and he was like, dude, what, how are you here? This is an adult jail. Like, how are you here? And I guess he was younger and he didn't know that, but you can as 17 be treated like an adult if your crime is serious enough. Wow. So, so you weren't um, in juvie, you were with adults. You were grown, grown. Yeah, I was with adults. Yeah, I was. Oh, sorry if I didn't make that clear. Wow. (laughs) I was with adults. Yeah. So um, I've never seen juvie. I, I don't, I've never been there. Um, so how long, so yeah. how, how long were you in jail? Um, this time? Yeah. Like this time, how long were you in jail? And then like, how do you, how do you end up getting out? Seven months. Um, I got out because, uh, so I didn't have any, I talked to my mom and my cousin. That was it. And they just like, called me and sent me letters. They didn't like give me commissary or anything like that. Um, yeah. I mean, shout out to my mom. She, she is just, there are no words I can say and thanks for that. Cause that, that was a, that was a hard time. I, I don't think people really understand how hard that can be. So, um, it was, it was like six and a half months or seven months. I don't have the exact numbers, but I um, took a program called TASK, and what that is, is if you are high when you do the crime, which I definitely was, uh, you can get your record wiped, and then you can go to a halfway house, sorry, a rehab, and then um, they will put you on probation for five years, and if you behave and don't commit another crime, they will seal your record, which is legally... You know, you can know what I did, but you can't not hire me because of it. I'll sue you <laughs> and I'll win. <laughs> you can't do that. So you can try. So, um, but uh, I was pretty smart. So like, I was kind of like a, like reading law books and stuff. And I was reading a lot of books and I learned a lot. Like I was never the brightest person. But after I got saved, I just really clung to Proverbs. And Proverbs talks a lot 
about how wisdom is like gold. And, you know, I, I don't know if anybody's ever tried to find gold, but it's hard. You got to dig for it. And when you find it, you know, you don't just like hand it off to people like you wear it around your neck and you keep it. And it's, you know, it's very valuable. And that's what I did. I, I tried to find knowledge. So I, I asked my mom to send me books on like everything on uh, psychology, on medicine, on math, on drawing, on history, on everything. I mean, she even sent me a book on like a story about veterinaries. Like I just love to learn. And I read a lot about this task, uh, this task program. Wait, so you found out about the program because of a book your mom sent you? I found out, you know, I don't remember how I found out. I think, gosh, man, I don't remember how I found out. I don't remember. I think an inmate told me. I can't remember. I think you get a DA and I think someone told me about it, like an inmate and brought up to the DA and he's like, oh yeah, sure. And um, I think they were pushing for me to get boot camp because they're like, it'll be better for you. You'll get out faster. The military might take you. I was like, no, I want to. I want to seal my record. I want to clean my record. I, I don't believe, I didn't feel like I needed to be held down forever by this. I felt like, I felt like I could move on. I felt like I could be a part of society. I felt like I could be reinstitutionalized, like reformed. Yeah. So I, I just, I wouldn't accept that. I've always been really stubborn and uh, I will like, if I want to do something, I'll do it. I might not be the best, but I'll do it. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in and listening to the first part of my husband's conversation with John Marco. Stay tuned to the continuation next week of this incredible story. You don't want to miss it. As always, you can find us on social media at A Love Always Faithful. That's on Instagram and Facebook. And you can check us out on our website at www.lovealwaysfaithful.com. Until next time, remember that God is love and love is always faithful.